BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today I'm answering listener questions. I love all of these topics. They're so universal. I'm going to be talking about competitive kids. I'm going to be talking about disciplining your kids outside of the house and talking about praise and just specifically why talking or focusing on your child's beauty, external beauty is something to discourage and encourage a little bit more of the focus on other things. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. So I always read your questions. Sometimes it takes a little while. And what I find is that many of them repeat from different people, even though each person feels like their child is going through something that's worse or just more magnified. And I think it would be so interesting for people to see how many people ask similar questions. It's so validating that in fact, these are just universal experiences. One of the questions that I got many, many times is about hearing that you're not quote unquote, supposed to tell your child they're beautiful. And what's that about? And I have said that not quite in that directive of a way, but I have mentioned that topic in previous episodes. So I just want to address it because it can be confusing. We tend to focus on how beautiful our daughters are more than our sons, but this is for any child. When you fixate or focus on telling your child they are beautiful, their outsides matter, how their outsides look. There are a couple of messages that you're sending and it's not right or wrong. It's more is this the message you want to be sending? One of the messages is that you get a little nice dopamine hit from being praised and being told you're beautiful feels really good. And is that one of the things that you want your child to get a little wiring on? Like, oh, I love that feeling when somebody tells me I look beautiful. Now, of course they're going to anyway, because who doesn't want to hear that? And you're going to say it anyway, even if I mention these challenges, that's totally fine. All I'm suggesting is reducing the amount that you do it because of, again, inevitably it's coming out of your mouth. We all feel that way when we see our children and um, especially if they get dressed up or you're just in a mood and there's nothing wrong with it. 
I just want to encourage thinking about other things because when they get the message that that's something that you value, not only are they feeling the boost, you know, they're clocking subconsciously, my looks matter to my parents. And you can say that looks matter to you in your heart because it's just, of course, we're not, we're, we're all human and it, it's nice to look at nice things. And when we have children, we tend to think they look very beautiful. We might want to compliment their outfit. We might want to say something about anybody else's beauty. It's not that it's wrong. It's just reduce the amount because if that's your focus, whether you're praising your child or praising someone else, that message is, okay, so I know what my parents' values are and I need to make sure that I live up to that, that I'm beautiful. And you know what you can't control in life? Whether you're beautiful. You can put together a great outfit. You can brush your hair. You can wash your face. You can brush your teeth. You can take care of your skin, but you absolutely can't control if you're beautiful. And of course, the temptation is to say this so that your child feels beautiful. It makes sense. It makes sense that you want your child to feel confident. So you're going to tell them they're beautiful and that you think they're beautiful. But if you look at it in this other lens, wow, what a different view. I'm thinking maybe I'm emphasizing beauty too much instead of making my child feel better about themselves. And that's just because you can't make someone feel confident from telling them something good about themselves. The confidence has to come from within them in order to actually change or shift or promote confidence. So if they get really good at doing something that lends itself to like the control of being able to look good, that's a different thing. Like how you put your outfit together, even if you're putting, if you have an older child, the way they're putting their makeup on or something, then you're praising something that is at least something they can control. But you're still emphasizing the value of looks, but looks they can control. And that is kind of why you'll hear a lot of people say or cite research about focusing on praise related to beauty. It is just a really tricky one that feels so intuitive because we look at our children and of course, one of our thoughts is always, oh, how beautiful. The next question is about competitive kids. What do I do? My kids seem to compete over everything. One of my children in particular is going to compete for everything from how fast he gets ready to how fast he runs. So competitive kid stuff is so universal as well. There are things that you can do to decrease competitiveness. Sometimes this manifests in just saying, I'm the fastest, I'm the best person in the world, I'm the fastest runner in the world, I'm the smartest kid in the class. And sometimes it's because family game night turns into cheating or getting angry or quitting or accusations or meltdowns and storming away. So there are different ways that competition can seep in and ruin everybody's time. Learning to win and lose and learning to win and lose well is not a natural thing. So to sidestep some of that drama, a lot of families just say, we're not going to have any competition at all. We hear this all the time and schools do that because they just don't know how else to remove that competitive nature, the kind that is destructive and ruins everybody else's good time. 
The problem with that is that it makes you and your children miss out on learning opportunities because you need to stay in a game even when you're losing because there's a whole other person or group of people playing. It helps you consider other people's perspectives, manage disappointment, and persist despite setbacks, which is a huge component of resilience building. So even though it's tempting to say, we don't do competition in this house, that's not going to solve the problem. And there are strategies that you can use to help kids become better sports. So I'm going to tell you a few of those. The first thing, and I actually have trouble with this, even in mostly joking around, but you you have to model good sportsmanship. You must model and call out others who have good sportsmanship, who make a comeback, use strategic self-talk when you aren't winning, congratulate winners, explain chance. This is really important. Kids need to understand that there are some games where there's going to be a different winner every time. And I mean, in general, there's that's that's just always going to be the case. First place is temporary. And people win for different reasons. Some because they practice. Sometimes it was that tremendous effort. Sometimes it was just luck. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. It's good for kids to know that so that they understand it's temporary when you have it, when you win, it's temporary when you lose. And also understanding that even when you work really hard, there's no guarantee, which should not diminish your motivation because there's always going to be a chance for you to win. You may have avoided going to the doctor during the pandemic. Some people have been skipping physicals, dental cleanings, eye doctors. Now that everything is opening up, it's time to catch up on regular healthcare. When you download the free ZocDoc app, that's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash humans and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, including me. You can go to it whenever you need a doctor. It's so important to keep up to date with your physicals. It's so important to make sure that something like the ease of getting to a doctor, the ease of finding an appointment is part of your process so that you don't run into, oh, I'll just do it later. I don't have time. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash humans and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That is ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash humans. Artifact Uprising makes premium photo books, framed photos, and gifts to help you tell the stories that you care about most. They just launched their new product, The Story of You, the early years book, to help you document your child's best moments from ages one to five. It contains unique interactive elements and guided prompts that makes working on this book a fun activity that you and your child can do together. A high quality book that's thick, 
writing-friendly pages made from eco-conscious paper and a foil-stamped linen cover that comes in seven colors and also comes with a free set of photo prints for you to add to the book. The Early Years book makes a great gift for moms as they experience their babies growing into little people with their own distinct personalities. The book is so cool. It is divided into chapters, one for each of the years, one through five. And each chapter contains a set of prompts and exercises that you can fill out and add your favorite photos and artwork to, along with the blank pages for you to customize as you like and for your child as they get older to fill them out with you. Here are some examples of cute prompts. There are pages where you can trace your little one's hand. There's a letter to you each year, which you as a parent can write a special message to your child. There's an interview questions page where you can ask your child and it's so cute. And you can ask these questions each year. This is so special and really just something you will not regret having. I wish I had that from when my littles were that age. And what a cool activity to do together. For a limited time, our listeners get 15% off your Artifact Uprising order with the code RAISINGGOODHUMANS15. Go to artifactuprising.com slash RAISINGGOODHUMANS to purchase. Next strategy is to help a more cooperative style when you're playing things like board games in the house. So what you can start doing if you notice siblings that are just being really competitive is have them play against you. So if you have a two-parent household, two parents, two kids, let's say, there's healthy competition, but they're working together against the adults. You can do one-on-one, you can do two and one, it all works. But what you're doing is you're saying work together and then at least they're learning the skill of teamwork. So next suggestion is to pick activities where kids can, like if you have a really competitive kid, turn that into competing against themselves so that they can really improve and it's not such a wild ride in the process. See how many times they can dribble a ball, see what they can do when they beat their own record running, have them time themselves getting a mile in and than changing their record. All of those things can help get the competitive nature out, but you're just competing with yourself and it's actually going to help. Remember, and this is so tough, even when you've got this down for other things, praise the effort, not the outcome. So reframe being upset over losing into wanting to get better. Like that information, when a kid gets really upset, it's not that you say, don't get upset that you lost. You're saying like, this matters to you. You really want to win one of these days. So what this is saying is you really want to get better. What are some strategies that you can do to improve? And then even if there's any improvement, which there typically is, notice it, even if it's that they lose better so that you're really focused on the strategies that might've improved things instead of, again, this winning outcome. Every kid needs to learn bounce back statements So they need to be equipped with phrases. And this is great to practice at home because you can do it yourself when you're modeling it. And you can give them those things like, let them know. And I can't show you because this is not uh, on video, but make a thing about things like, let it roll off your back or that's the way the cookie crumbles. So it's not that you're saying like, you don't get upset and you're not allowed to get upset or any of that, but it's just 
teaching them those phrases and making a little bit of lightness around these things and helping them understand like, yep, this is what happened this time. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen next time, but they need to have those bounce back statements. And of course, encouraging empathy by acknowledging that someone else lost or won and they are going through their own experience so that your child gets into the habit of not just thinking about themselves in a competition. That is very hard because we're just, of course, we're thinking about ourselves when there's a competition and you need a healthy dose of it in order to motivate. But if you lose and you're sucking all the joy out of the experience for the other person, it's not very thoughtful. And if you win and you're not imagining the other person's experience, it's not very thoughtful. So the next thing is to play by the rules. And it's hard, especially when you have a younger kid, you have to play by the rules. If the game is too complicated, shift the rules of the game, but make sure that there are rules and that you have to play by them. If you start to say, okay, let's say there's a game with a spinner and you, they don't like what they got on the spinner and you let them spin again, that's not setting up habits to be able to play by the rules and roll with it. And so of course they're going to get upset and they're going to get used to you fixing that for them. Same thing with going down the slide a second time when there's a rule that you can only go down once or whatever it is, when we make these exceptions to make sure that our kids don't experience distress in that moment, we're really taking away the opportunity to learn that there are rules to play by and that you can win within the confines of those rules. Sometimes you're going to lose, but sometimes you're going to win. And it feels much better to do so when people didn't pave the the way for you and make it so that it really wasn't even about your work. This is not to say that it's not important to acknowledge feelings. It's actually great to let kids know that it's normal to have big feelings around competition, winning and losing, regardless of whatever you're thinking. You want to make sure that you're not going so far into it that you're trying to make an emotional outburst a teachable moment because of course that usually invalidates the feeling. They can't really hear you. And now it's becoming about how they felt wrong and you need to redirect that. Use the magic word yet. Yet is that word that we can add to things when kids feel like they can't do something or they can't win. You want to stress that with effort and practice, And you can even talk about those strategies that they'll eventually be able to do certain things. Hopefully you're focusing on competitions and games and activities that they actually have potential to do well at and to get better at. They just can't do it yet. I'm not good at this yet. That added three-letter word is magic and it's magic for changing attitudes. And this is something we all need in our heads. And finally, teach kids how to win and lose. Teach them that formal stuff that you do that's so appealing and wonderful. It makes you feel so good even when you're feeling down, which is to just give a handshake or I guess nowadays, maybe a a wave or a thumbs up or whatever it is that's a statement, good game. So you focus on the fun that they had You focus on these traditions of what you do when you win or lose and let them know how important it was that they were able to get through that. And they did it with the grace of a good 
loser or a good winner by doing that formal acknowledgement at the end of the game of who did win. So those are all strategies that will help if you've got a super competitive kid, channel that competitiveness positively without making it so that they don't compete at all because you can't deal with it. The last question is about the struggle of disciplining in public and how it turns into such a meltdown all the time. I just want to give in and not have the struggle. This is such a common theme as well for parents. So I'm going to give you a little strategy that should help with public quote unquote disciplining. And that is a family code word. Our family actually has a code word and also a code code body language. Now, my kids have grown out of this by now, but it used to be uh, an ear tug. <laughs> like if I tugged on my ear, they kind of knew that means like this activity has to stop. This behavior has to stop. Whatever's going on has to stop. But I didn't have to go and embarrass them in front of their friends. And then it turned into a whole thing. So it was just a quick sign. You can also do a quick code word like whatever, actually it should be something that your kids come up with with you because then they're part of it. And it should hopefully be a little silly. It can be banana. It can be turkey bacon. It could be whatever you guys come up with. It's, it becomes this inside family joke, but it's a code word that signals a limit that everyone in your family knows the moment that it's uttered, whatever they're doing, they need to stop. And so that way, if everybody's having such a great time and they're playing and there's lots of noise and giggles and happiness and the the time of their lives, and then it's just right about the time that someone gets hurt or something starts to get really dangerous and you want to scream or blow a whistle or freak out, but there's lots of people around. And it could also be you're in the car and it's loud and you were having a great time and everybody's laughing and all of a sudden it's just too much. Code words give you an opportunity to stop all of this without having to be the scary parent in front of all the other kids, without having to get into a fight. Also, it keeps you a little bit more calm and gives a little bit of humor in a moment when you might be at the end of your rope. So that's why code words are so great because you are at the end of your rope. But if your code word is sweet potato fry, you're not going to stay serious and angry because it's just such a ridiculous thing to say. So if you've come up with a code word or banana, it doesn't have to be totally wacky, but whatever it is, it brings a little humor and takes you out of your stress brain and everybody can know what it means and they'll move faster. You can also use the code word to signal a stop at any time, even if it's like a transition to mealtime or bedtime or whatever it is. All you need is to sell it to your kids as a family code word that just becomes this secret thing between you that they're going to buy into. And that is why you want them to come up with it. You say like, we're going to start having a family code word. That way, instead of having to get upset in front of everybody, or instead of feeling like I have to yell at you before you do, you know, to stop, we're just going to have this code word. And again, you can do code body language as well. And you can even make it a fun activity to come up with what that code word is by having options and voting on it and all those things. You can also have multiple code words, one for each child, if it feels like you've got a different thing going on and you need each child to have their own personal code word. 
And from now on, if everyone's having fun, play can continue or the activity can continue. But if it's going into one of those downward spirals, you're just going to yell out the code word and the action must stop. And it really usually does. And even when it doesn't, you've got this natural consequence in place because you can say, I'm happy for you to do whatever. Let's say your child or children are wrestling or roughhousing. And you can say, but when one of you yells the code word, it all stops. And since they get to control that, they are going to be more likely to respect that. And they're more motivated to use it. And then they've practiced using it so that when you're using it in the outside world, when it's not just about their own regulation of rough housing or whatever, they're more likely to listen. They're also really handy if your kids are just about to melt down and they need you to end something. So they actually are coming to you with the code word. And that means like, I need this play date to end. I need this activity to end. I'm, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting tired. I'm getting frustrated. Once they've come up with the word in this family, they are going to use that word. And it's always going to feel better if you're about to go in and say something to your child or children that is already not responding well to transitions. If you come in and say, turkey bacon, it just, it's hard to, it's hard to stay too serious. It's hard to take any of this stuff too seriously. And it just sets a little bit of a nicer tone. 